Going Linux, episode 417, a tribute to Tom. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you are new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in going Linux. We hope that you find this and all our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and open source applications and using them to get things done. If you want to send us feedback, please do so using our email at goinglinux at gmail.com or our voicemail line at one nine zero four four six eight seven eight eight nine. In today's episode, a tribute to Tom. Yes. Uh, and so this is a special episode, as you know, or you may know, uh, Tom was a co-host on our podcast from 2007 to 2013, and he recently passed away. We wanted to do a tribute to Tom by playing an episode um, of uh, Tom at his best, uh, interviewing someone and providing answers to listener questions in a listener feedback episode. And we found an episode that embodies all of that. Yeah, we hope that uh, you enjoy uh, hearing Tom again and... uh... Tom will always be uh, a member of our Going Linux podcast family and will be dearly missed. We hope you enjoy this episode in our archives. It is episode 180, which we will play for you now. Going Linux episode 180, listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Tom. And I'm your chief executive minion, Bill. In today's episode, listener feedback. Well, guys, uh, I've installed the new Skype, Skype 4.0 for Linux. And yes, I know it's a Microsoft product. (laughs) Sort of. Yeah, sort of. Uh, But it seems to be pretty nice. I'm still, this is the first time I've used it. Um, I'm still trying to get used to it. It's not in the Mint repositories yet, so I had to download it from the Skype sure. website. And one of the things I noticed is, you know, where you set up your own profile, well, it switched my location to Uganda. Nice! Oh, yeah. how do you like it there? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem too much different from California. <laughs> so I hear anyway, the weather here is great. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, switched all that stuff back to where it should have been. Um it it also changed me from male to female, which I didn't really appreciate, but <laughs> I suppose, you know, they can do that. Here's me shutting up. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, you guys have been using Skype 4 for a little while. Um, I got a couple of questions for you. So I can see that there's a little window pops up with a picture I've got a picture of Bill, but I don't have a picture of Tom. There's not one in my profile. Because there's no picture. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't tell, that, since we're on a group um, call here, a conference call, I can see that Bill's connected 
and I can't see that Tom's connected. I can see where I can add more people, but I have no way of knowing who's on this call. Are you are, are you looking at three panels? Do you have a panel on the right? I I have the individual panels for all this stuff. Okay. The same so, basic setting as was in the old Skype. Okay, so you've got the stuff that's already been typed in the top panel and a place to type in the bottom panel. Yeah. Do you have a panel on the right? Oh, I can see that in the chat, sure. I'm talking oh. about the phone call. Oh, the phone call. Yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry about that. Let's see. Yeah, I can see everybody in the chat part of it. No problem. I see both you guys. Hmm. Yeah, I see both. I see uh, your profile picture, and of course, I see nothing for Tom except his uh, blank, a pink portrait with his name on it. But um, I don't even I guess, see that. I guess oh, they I see it. I see it. I'm missing it. It's tiny, and it's below. Your picture, Bill. It's you can tiny. expand that. There should be four uh, little icons below yeah. the pictures. If you, and I believe if you the fourth one over is to make everything big, and then you have big panels. So I guess if you had video, it would be showing the video there. Got it. Okay, well, that answers that question. <laughs> it looked like a little gray square <laughs> because you don't have a profile picture, Tom. And when one of us types something new, do you get a little asterisk in the... In the tray? I do. Uh, when you type something new. No, I have it set so that it pops up the screen. The oh, yeah, screen. but if you're not looking at it. Oh. Um, I, st I still get notifications. I, I don't know. I haven't had it installed long enough to find out. That was my only beef with it. Other than that, it's pretty neat. But if I yeah. step away for a minute and somebody types something, I come back. There's no evidence. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, my, my screens are always open, uh, so I see it immediately. That's why I probably haven't noticed it. I really can't say if it does or not because I always keep the conversations open. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, mine screen. are open too. It's just that I might be looking at a different page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. So, okay, that's that question. And uh, let's see here. Maybe maybe that's it. I think we've talked about it all already. That, those are really the only issues I've had with it. Have you got any advertising yet? No. Yeah, well, they're, they're, if the Skype uh, 4 is supposed to introduce um, some uh, uh, advertising, and I've gotten one advertising bit, and I can't remember what it was about. I think it was for Gillette or something. I don't remember what it was for, but I was like, huh, that's interesting. Oh, I thought they would be advertising things like Microsoft Office or <laughs> Microsoft Project. <laughs> you know. Well, I think it was Gillette, so you know, I, I you know, I guess they were they knew that I was male and I probably needed to shave. Well, so. then I'm glad I changed my profile back to male. <laughs> <laughs> then I too can get razor and razor blade ads from Gillette. Well, you might have gotten Lady Gillette. <laughs> That's true. I could have. <laughs> <laughs> but now I hadn't seen any uh, other advertisements. I don't know if it was just like a one-time shot, but I, I, from what I understand, they're going to add um, they're going to add advertising to Skype, and uh, so don't okay. be surprised when you get it finally. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But so far, the quality is good. I mean, I don't notice anything different, better or worse, about the quality of the call. 
Um, the camera works. I tried that out last night. Uh, everything seems to work just fine. So, as far as the camera is concerned, I just tried to turn mine on just now, just to freak you out. And uh, <laughs> evidently, it doesn't work on conference calls. Ah, uh, yes, that's a holdover from the previous yeah. version as well. It didn't work on conference calls, so. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming that if you have a very large conference call and everybody has their camera going, it would uh, take a lot of bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. But hey, Google Hangouts seem to work. Yeah, we should try um, Google Hangout one day and see if we can record a show using that. I hear that you can. I've heard that as well. I'm not signed up for Google Plus, and I don't think I'm going to be for a while. <laughs> well, that kind of, that kind of nixes that idea, doesn't it? <laughs> You and Bill can do a show over and whatever. Oh, uh, okay. sure. Okay. Uh, okay. You know, by the way, Jono said it's time to upgrade Tom. Okay, yeah, just yeah, remind yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, so I see how this is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, guys, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, Bill's going to keep reminding Tom until he upgrades. Okay. <laughs> why, why don't you start the upgrade while we're recording, Tom? Uh, yeah. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> there should be no problems whatsoever. <laughs> All right. So, are we going to do a show here? I think we should. But I got some rants going on here. And I want to just say that Netflix sucks. They need to get their act together about having a Linux native client. <laughs> That's been a complaint for a while bill <laughs> yeah yeah i know but i just i had some problems with them uh, uh i sometimes use paypal to pay uh, for things and i said well, i'll give this a whirl and their system died and they took like 20 bucks of my money and it took like mm, three weeks to get it back and i never did get the doesn't get to watch anything so just want to say netflix you suck don't like you and you better get your act together i mean if they can put one for android why can't they do one for linux i mean come on no one wants your your stuff i mean come on and then uh i finally finished uh tom you sitting down right okay i finally finished the Windows 8 uh, testing I was doing for past three weeks. Uh-huh. And uh, they need to hire someone from Ubuntu to do their interface because that Metro interface is just about stupid. Uh, it's, so you're saying even Unity would be better than Windows 8 Metro? <laughs> Unity makes Metro look... Unity's so far ahead of Metro, it's, it's, it's sickening. Yeah, it's fast, don't get me wrong. But it, you've got two different desktops and you have to switch and you, you got hot corners and they pop one up when they're not supposed to. And, you know, after a while, you just, you get, you, mo- you do most of your work in the old type of desktop and, uh, you really, that Metro's just in your way. And they need to have a way just to shut the darn thing off. I mean, but I know what they want to do. They want these Metro apps and stuff, and and I I was looking at the previews of them. But uh, I'm going to predict that Windows 8 is going to fall on its face. I mean, Microsoft has already uh, discounted it, saying you can upgrade. I think it's like for 40 bucks. Um, And here's something: you can upgrade from the release candidate that you could download for free. So read into it what you want. 
Huh. Okay, yeah. well, <laughs> you know, uh, Linux community, here's another opportunity for us to um, capitalize on people being dissatisfied with the Windows platform and wanting to switch to something else. Let's get them to switch to Linux. And by the way, for the first time in history, uh, in the last quarter, uh, Microsoft lost money. A lot of money. But one a part of it was for a charge off that they they wanted to uh, they bought something that they thought was going to compete with um, that double click or something that Google had bought, and they only lost uh, what was it it's like sixty four billion or something. You know, hey, so there goes my retirement fund. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Larry. Might just be time to dump that stock. Just <laughs> yeah, might be a little late for that, too. Anyway, no, I was just kidding, everyone. I do not own any Microsoft stock, at least that I'm aware of. Moving into our – I think we've had enough of this. Let's, yeah. let's move into our email. <laughs> okay. So our first email is from Matt, who isn't exactly pleased with our seeming change of format for our last episode, episode 179. Matt writes, hi, guys. Hi, hi Matt. Matt. Hi, Matt. I've been listening since the very early episodes, always a fan of the informative shows and silly humor. S silly? Silly humor? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> listened to episode 179, Linux Applications Advanced. Has going Linux turned into casual chat for three minutes and then read Larry's notes out loud word for word for the rest of the show? It felt very fake to me. Is the podcast dying? Was this just a really rushed episode? I miss the hour or two long episodes with lots of chatting about the world of Nicks. An old fan, Matt. Well... I guess I was reading what Larry wrote word for word. <laughs> yeah, uh, Matt, that, the, the, that format is actually something we've used in the past uh, where I've written an article and we've basically read the article as an episode. And we've done that in the past primarily because not everybody reads the articles that are on the web page. And uh, I think in the episode I mentioned, or in the show notes, I mentioned that this was based on the article, which is something I don't normally do. But sometimes, you know, we do the article first and then the podcast episode afterwards. And sometimes we do a podcast episode and I use that to write the article. So not as, as unusual as maybe it seems. Uh, to be fair, though, it was a bit of a rushed episode, which is one of the reasons why it was shorter than normal. And the minion, of course, messed up. He's not telling you that I was I was doing repair to this to Studio West's uh, recording studio, and uh, and I kind of crossed the wires and stuff. So we won't talk about the fire. <laughs> 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 yeah, didn't make the news, but <laughs> or or did it? Was that that fire? <laughs> Was that that fire? <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> you did not hear that. Move on. Next up, we got uh, David in Israel, and he writes, Hi, Larry. Hi, David. Hi, Tom. Hi, David. Hi, Minion Bill. Hi, Tom. Oh, no. no, sorry. Hi, Dave. 
<laughs> you are the entertainment bill. <laughs> Good night, crazy. All right. Uh, and David says, your old and loyal listener, old in both meanings of the word, David, the expat Canadian in Israel here. What would you suggest for a newbie to Linux, but experienced, insert bad word, systems, programmer, to install in order to learn Unix-based systems, including Perl programming and command line? The machine is old, 8 years, 1.5 gigabytes, no GPU. I thought Linux Mint 13 Mate would do the trick. Any better ideas? Bestest, David. Larry made some recommendations to David uh, via email, and he said, uh, you might try uh, Mint 13 XFCE when it comes out, especially if you'll be working with Perl in the command line. I don't think you'll miss GNOME, and the PC will show a much better performance. Alternatively, if you are trying to learn system administration, you might actually want to install CentOS, the community-supported Red Hat variant, or straight Debian. These are the most common systems on non-commercial servers. If you are planning on taking certification exams like LPI or RHCE, these would be better than Ubuntu or Mint, since Ubuntu and its variants actually don't strictly follow all the standards for Linux file locations. Zential is a distribution recommended by listener Ken, the small box admin. This would be what you want if you're looking to run a actual small business server. I hope all these possibilities aren't overwhelming. Let us know how it goes. Good advice. Very good advice. David responded to us to let us know how it was going. He says, thanks, Larry, and by extension, Tom and Bill. We'll try CentOS. Seems to be the proper one based on your recommendation, and we'll also give some exposure outside the Debian model. We'll keep you informed. Have you tried Pingai OS? Any comments? I am running Linux Mint. 13 Cinnamon on my new i5 8GB NVIDIA GPU machine. I'm thinking of adding Pingai in a second partition just to play with. Since I don't listen to Computer America, I miss tidbits. I also miss Timbits, but that's another story. Much appreciated, David. Bill, you've tried Pingai, haven't you? I have, and it's one of the one of my favorite um uh, distros that he does a nice job. I do not use it much anymore. I'm not real happy with his current iteration. I find it's a little unstable. It's it's he really tries to throw everything, uh, including kitchen sink, into the distro. Uh, uses uh, P, a lot of PPAs and stuff uh, like that, and I, I just I've had nothing but problem. I usually it's based on Ubuntu. Uh, I uh, think that a better alternative, because um, you can kind of build it the way you want, is just go ahead with a base uh, Ubuntu system and then add what you want. Uh, that way you're not getting – because he throws everything in there, whether you ever use it or not. And uh, if you don't want to do that or you want something a little more customized that, but you still want to be able to use the Debian commands, try Linux Mint. Linux Mint is also a real uh, good one, but they have a lot more customizations, and they have a, a, a like cinnamon and don't. And is it called Mater? Uh, 
a heart of mate, mate or something to that effect. I don't know what they're calling it, but they have several different um, uh, desktops. I would suggest staying with Ubuntu uh or mint if you want to stay in the ubuntu round uh and if you really want to look at uh some of the outside debian uh look at crunchbang for a very minimalist or um just straight um debian but understand if you use straight debian it's not as polished as ubuntu or mint so i would say stay with ubuntu or mint and i think you'd be happier just a side note you sh if you use those uh, guys to learn some of the admin for Debian systems, it's going to be very similar. Uh, I believe that Ubuntu now uh, is has just gotten approved for the HP uh, uh, servers, as, as so now they can get support. So they're starting to uh, become uh, used in big server projects. So it it wouldn't hurt to to, to learn Ubuntu or or use Min or whatever, but um, Ubuntu's making inroads to corporations, so it wouldn't hurt to also know them along with Scent. Uh, Norman wrote with a gone back to Windows story. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> yes. Should I read this? All we right. gave this one to you, Tom. Oh, thanks. Uh, Norman says, hi, Larry, Tom, Bill. Hi, Norman. Hi, Norman. Hi, Norman. Okay, what's our next feedback? <laughs> oh, it goes on. I see. The yeah, yeah. Right. Norman goes on. I've been a long-time listener and long-time user of Linux. My first taste of Linux was the Red Hat Linux 7 for Dummies book. I've never gone completely Linux because of my desire for modern PC games. However new direction the modern desktop distributions have taken make Linux unusable to me. I have used and loved Ubuntu 10.04 and Linux Mint 10 for a good couple of years now, but they are no longer supported. Now I have tried Ubuntu 12.04, Ubuntu, Kubuntu, Zubuntu, all three, Mint 13, SUS 12.1, Fedora 16, and the list goes on. None of them work on my PC any longer. With all the discussion on being able to use Linux to recycle older PCs, it no longer stands, and my PC is reasonable. AMD Athlon X64, 3.0 gig, 4 gig of RAM, NVIDIA graphics card with 2 gig video RAM. Hmm. Well, you know, that doesn't seem too shabby a system. It's not really all that old, and I'm not sure why it wouldn't work with Mint 13 or Fedora or any of those. Uh, maybe you might want to try a distribution with a lighter weight desktop, but you've tried Kubuntu and Zubuntu. Yeah, he says he, he has. He really doesn't say what's failing. Yeah. And he has a graphics card with two gigabyte of uh, video RAM on it, so you know it could be that. I mean, he has a pretty much of a beast of a system there. I would say it might be. Uh, he might be using just the closed source drivers for the NVIDIA graphics. Oh, you know that could be. But it worked on an older distribution. Yeah, but they changed the they changed the drivers, and you know whenever you change a driver, sometimes it can break what used to work. Sometimes they uh, they automatically include include the open source, and unless you know, yeah, that you can get the closed source uh, version of it, you 
you just you think, oh wow, this thing sucks, and this, and then you get the in, the new driver for the and for the graphics, and it's like, wow, it's a totally different system. But he doesn't give a lot of debt. He doesn't say that what we can't really uh, tell what's not working. I mean, it, 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 if it's a uh, you know these new uh, boards also have uh, drivers for them. You know, uh, a lot of these boards are made by what Foxconn, I think, and um, so sometimes they might be a little wonky. Continuing with Norman's email, none of the live CDs work. They look great when the boot menu comes up, and then they show loading fine. But when it gets to the desktop, it looks like an old television screen with snow only and a semi-pattern to it as well. I, I figured, okay, I need to get the NVIDIA driver working. Other than the Ubuntu Mint, it is a real pain. I fired up the Mint DVD and managed to get into a sort of recovery type mode. I installed uh, to disk and installed an NVIDIA non-free driver. Once the install was finished, reboot and voila. On reboot with the NVIDIA driver, I got the snow screen. I tried to reboot into a safe mode and couldn't launch X. Ouch. Well, that kind of backs up what we were saying about the video driver being the problem. Well, before he goes back to uh, uh, the W, uh, I got a suggestion. Go ahead and uh, and partition your drive and install the W for um, just day-to-day use. A lot of times, uh, they'll issue patches for for the Linux, like Linux Mint is really on top of things, and so is Ubuntu. So go ahead and keep your uh, your Linux partition. Stay with Ubuntu or Mint for right now. And I bet after a few, you know, once the things settle down, because 12.04 is, uh, is pretty new, and so is what, is Mint 13, Larry? Is that it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mint 13 is still reasonably new, and they're constantly making patches. They're long-term support. So go ahead and keep W on one side of the partition, and just go ahead and uh, uh, continue uh, uh, working with your uh, Linux partition. Yeah, stay with Ubuntu or Mint, and I think that uh, one of these days you're going to just get these updates and boom, it's going to work again. Well, you know, just listening to what you were saying, um, Norman didn't say whether or not he applied all the updates while the video card was working in the lower resolution. So if he was trying to install the NVIDIA driver before applying the updates, maybe you should try reinstalling. And this time, while you've got that uh, old TV looking screen, go in and get all the updates and then go back and log back in again and see if now the video is better because it might be with the default drivers that come, especially if they are updated. And then if not, go ahead and try installing the proprietary driver and perhaps the updated version of that with the updates to Mint or whatever distribution you're actually trying this with will actually work. So uh, a couple of suggestions there if you haven't completely abandoned Linux and, and stopped listening to our show. And uh, even if you have uh, gone completely back to the W, um, you, you can probably, still listen to us. Yeah, you can still listen to us. And if you're using Windows 7 and you upgrade to the, um, the Metro uh, rectangles, uh, let us know how that goes. <laughs> um, I, I do uh, want to ask you a question about Mint 13, Larry. Mm-hmm. He says that he um, 
installed the non-free NVIDIA non-free driver, I was only on the impression that that was always a default with Mint 13. So you think that might have caused a problem? He might have tried no, not and... not with the video drivers. Oh, okay, um, they have the application that's also in Ubuntu called Jockey that actually, uh, when you start your first installation of Ubuntu or Mint or I think most of the Ubuntu derivatives as well, it will install a default driver that will get you up and running. And if it doesn't do the resolution that you need or if it um, is lacking some of the advanced features, uh, the jockey application will run in the background for the first few times that you uh, boot into your system. And it will suggest that there is a proprietary driver available. Oh, okay. And then you can download it. But it starts with the with a free version of the driver for even NVIDIA cards. Okay. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I don't use Mint uh, very often. Actually, I haven't used Mint since I think um, like 10. I'm kind of a staying with Ubuntu right now. and uh, But I, I always, you know, they do a great job. So I, I've also noticed, you know, I know this might be beating the bush a little bit uh uh, too much, but a lot of times you have to install all the updates in kind of order to yeah. get things to work because they install this and then they install. So, uh, you might want to, uh, make sure that you do your installs and then try upgrading your, your, your NVIDIA driver. Right. Then again, that's just Bill. The minion can be wrong. <laughs> So I noticed we have a little bit more to Norman's email here, so let me just read that and wrap it up. So he says, I listened to the interview with Ubuntu's John O'Bacon, and I understand the direction Ubuntu wants to take is supposed to be good for newer users. However, if handing a CD to someone results in the kind of problems I've had, they will never turn to Linux. The problem here is not just Ubuntu, though. It is all of the major distributions. None of them are working on my PC. I can only use older versions with no support now. It seems there is no longer any call for non-3D desktops on distributions, and that saddens me. I still listen, but for now I'm forced to go back to that other OS for more than just games. Norman. You've just made Tom very sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. Sorry about that, Norm. And uh, well, I guess we lost one. Yeah. Keep listening, though. Yeah. Next, in Jim's email, he writes, "Tom, Larry, and Bill." Jim. 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 No, this is just reverse alphabetical order. Okay. okay. Uh, thanks for reading my email about my friend with the dial-up modem problem on the Dell Ubuntu computer, and also thanks for the listener who suggested Puppy Linux. That was a very good tip about what Puppy can do. However, I believe that Puppy would be way over my friend's head. Her original laptop, on which I started my Linux adventure, appears to have a failing video card. The display is jumpy at times, and frequently the screen goes almost completely black, almost cannot see anything at all on it. Now, for the $64,000 question. Would it be suitable to use a light-duty Linux server? I will be learning how to administer Linux servers and all that goes with it. Initially, all that I would have on it would be my sailing journal and to have it available for the World Wide Web. 
If so, which distributions would you recommend? Immediately after the laptop began failing, I experienced a personal kernel panic. I immediately began searching for a Linux computer using my netbook. It's a little small for my everyday use. I found an Acer PC with Limpus pre-installed at, of all places, Walmart.com. After researching it, I decided to give it a try. I will write to about that adventure, still ongoing, in another email, unless you'd rather I didn't. Thanks for putting on a great podcast, Jim. Oh, we'd be really interested in hearing about that. Yeah, and what was the price on that? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. If it was Walmart, it had to be inexpensive. We'll be happy to hear about your adventures with Limpus. It's not a distribution that we know a lot about. It's not one of our most uh, popular, for sure. Acer is also known for artificially locking down some of its pre-installed um, Linux computers. As for the server, if you're already familiar with Ubuntu, you can start with their server. Most servers qualify as lightweight, so you almost can't go wrong with almost any server distro. You can download uh, the um, Ubuntu servers right from their website. Sure. Yeah. It's real easy, and you burn it, and you can boot it up, and uh, I've actually played with it. It's all uh, command line driven, but you can add a desktop if you want. Most most uh, most of them don't add it, but, you know, that's a good way to learn the inner workings. Sure. And Jim did write back. He said, thanks for getting back to me so soon. My adventures with Linpus did not last an hour. <laughs> it, it did not seem to have any that I could find repositories for downloading software, nor was there any update manager. Kind of what I said. It's not one of the most popular. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think this is one of the ones that Acer has uh, locked down. So it may not be a Linpus thing. It may be an Acer thing. Anyway. Jim continues, I just listened to episode 176 where you covered Windows 7 versus 64-bit Linux. Was the author's netbook a 64-bit? I did not hear it mentioned on the show. I have a 32-bit netbook, and from what I read, a 64-bit will not run on it. What do you think? Well, yeah, the author's netbook was a 64-bit. I did install the 64-bit version of Solus OS. I didn't read the disk label fully on the Acer, and it ran for two days before it crashed fatally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised that the 64-bit would even run on that uh, yeah. bit machine. Uh, you can't unless, run 64-bit. Unless it's 64-bit and they're just not telling you. Yeah, anyway. it's probably processor 64-bit because, yeah. uh, but Solus OS is a fairly new one, so it might not be the hardware. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, continuing with Jim's email, I couldn't get any live CD to boot on the Acer until I tried Puppy. I tried to install it, but it was too confusing to me and the install failed. However, I did fix the problem and now I can boot live CDs and install them again. Your comment about Acer locking down its Linux boxes is most interesting, as I am having trouble getting the Wi-Fi to work with other Linux distros. The Wi-Fi did work with Linpus out of the box, which was one of the reasons that prompted me to purchase it. I will go into the details when I write up the adventure. It's a bit late here in the Lone Star State right now. Okay, so go get your sleep, Jim, and yeah. when you've got time, let us know in a little more detail what went on with Linpus and your Acer PC. Okay. And I just want to say, who named that distro? 
Linpus, really? It, I mean, they couldn't come up with anything better. I mean, how about like super duper operating system or something? But Linpus, wow. or 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 something that makes a lot of sense, like Oniric Ocelot, or you know. <laughs> hey, hey, back off! <laughs> I'll get Jono on you. Hey, you you seem to be a uh, uh, an Ubuntu fanboy now. Fan now. I do, don't I? It's awesome. <laughs> I've drunk the Kool Aid. Okay. <clears throat> and next up, we got Bill in Michigan, who wrote about Bill's interview with John O'Bacon. Speaking of speaking of Ubuntu, <laughs> oh, I love this. Go on, go on, yeah. Tom. Really, he says. I think Bill's interview really stank. <laughs> oh no! Wait. Oh no! That editorial was editorial uh, license yeah. there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he says, "I thought Bill did an excellent job. I can see the controversy, though." He says, "I like Jono. However, I do have issue with his clumping all Linux users, not liking Unity into the elitist category. In fact, quite the opposite." I would call Canonical quite elitist when they put out something like 11.04, knowing full well that it's incomplete and virtually dysfunctional. It's like Canonical saying, we're on a higher goal. Are you 10.04 users too stupid to see it? My question, is Canonical proud of Ubuntu 11.04? And this isn't Canonical's first introduction of things before they were close to ready. Network Manager and Pulse Audio represent lesser pains for users, but fall into the same category as Unity. I don't doubt for a minute that the elitist viewpoint exists, as Jono states, but it's far from anyone who happens to be against trashing a distro for a greater cause. Larry, you're the prime example of a non-elitist in my book, and I'm sure it's a major part of your success. Jono may argue a polished 12.04 wouldn't have been possible without the steps that started with 11.04. This, I imagine, is true in that it may have taken longer. But the cost of going through that transition makes me shudder. A separate fork could have taken longer, but produced the same result. Keep up the good work, guys. Bill in Michigan. So, Bill, uh, you're not quite uh, happy with Jono's comment about elitism. I think you may have taken it a little out of context, but I see your point. Um, with 11.04, it's one of those releases from Ubuntu that's between the long-term support releases. And to some degree, you could make the argument that if you really want a stable version, you should stick with the long-term support releases because in between, they're going to try new things, as they did. And trying Unity, beginning with 11.04, if I remember correctly, was one of those things that, you know, we we help Ubuntu and other Linux distributions as the Linux community by trying out these new things with them. And like I said, if you really want stability, then stick with the long-term support releases. Oh, you mean like I do? Yes, exactly. There you go, Jono. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have to say, guys, you know, I talked to Jono on the record and off the record, and I really, I think it was taken a little bit out of context. I His whole, from what I gathered from it, the Ubuntu really wants Linux accessible 
to everybody from housewives to students to kindergartners to power users to Tom. Um, you know, it's, you know, they, they all want it, uh, accessible. And I think what John was saying is there's some people that aren't happy with the direction that Ubuntu's going because they feel that it's not, they're not, their special, uh, operating system is, is no longer special because the average housewife can use it to check her email and surf the web. And he, he said he hated, uh, that kind of, um, he didn't say he just didn't like that kind of mentality. He wants everybody to use it. And, um, that's just, uh, I, that's what I got from it. And yeah. That's pretty much what I got too. He also said in the interview that, uh, 1104 was not up to their standards. And he, he actually said it. We, you know, they were disappointed. It didn't, it wasn't polished. It wasn't what, where we wanted it to be, but it was a evolutionary step. You have, sometimes you have to make those steps to get to the final. And I'm, I'm sound like a fanboy. I'm sorry. Uh, but 1204, uh, shows the polish and, you know, you know, they can't make this polish. You know what I mean? It'd be nice if they could just go and say, look, it looks great. You know, we, we, everything we tried here worked, but a lot of times, you know, things they tried didn't work or they say, ooh, that, ooh, that maybe wasn't as good as we thought it was. So, you know, as, as, as users, we've got to help them test it and offer them feedback. That's what they have the forums there for. And so, I mean, I know they listen to people and, you know, John is very approachable. I believe all of them are approachable. If you actually have a legitimate concern, shoot them an email and say, Hey, just want to let you know this sucks or I think this is great or, you know, you guys have been, uh, you know, drinking while you're designing this. So, you know, let, let them know. I mean, they, they, they don't create this stuff in a vacuum. Right. And I think your comments just underscore my comments of if you really want something that just works, stick with the long-term support releases and expect that the releases in between are going to have some things that don't work because they're still experimental working on them. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if if I weren't doing this show, I probably would follow that advice myself. But uh, you know, there are people who start using Linux right between the long-term support releases of Ubuntu or Linux Mint or any of the other distributions that that take the same philosophy on releases and as a result, uh, you know, we've got to kind of keep up with whatever the latest is. But like I said, if if it were just me using Linux for my own personal use without doing this podcast, I would probably be using the long-term support release. And if there was a new feature in one of the applications that I needed, I would be using one of the backports or something like that sure. to get a to get the uh, the latest. Or like in the case with Skype 4.0. Download it from the developer's website. There you go. That's a good point. Yeah. And now a special interview that Tom conducted recently with Jonathan Nadeau of the Accessible Computing Foundation. Tom? I'm talking today with Jonathan Nado, the Executive Director of Accessible Computing Foundation, which is kind of impressive. What What is the Accessible Computing Foundation, Jonathan? Oh, by the way, hi. Uh, hey Tom. Hey, uh, hey. <laughs> Larry and Bill. Also, I'm sure you guys will say hi later. <laughs> um, oh yeah. 
the Accessible Computing Foundation is a nonprofit organization dedicated to developing free accessible software, and we want to bridge the gap between accessibility and technology. And, you know, this day and age, technology is moving so quick at such a rapid rate. The faster technology is moving, the faster accessibility is being left behind. And so the foundation has been put together to bridge that gap and bring accessibility back up to speed with the rate technology is moving at. Okay. And uh, just to make it clear, by accessible, we're talking about uh, making computing available to people with physical challenges. Yes, exactly. Like I myself am a blind GNU Linux user, but we're not focusing on just like blind and low vision. We want to cover any type of accessible need. Uh, from from learning disabilities, dyslexia to paraplegics, quadriplegics, low motor skills, hearing impaired, we we want to cover the gambit. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a big job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear you just got your is it 401c? Yes, the 501c3. We just got the status, and we're extremely excited about that and uh which is part of the reason why i'm here today is to announce that we're going to be having a fundraiser on august 25th which is a saturday and we will be starting at noon eastern standard time and stopping at midnight it's essentially going to be like a 12 hour long podcast um we're going to have we're going to have the 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 whole event streamed live um at the new radio.net now all of this information I'm telling you, I'll give you a URL that you can visit later on, and you'll see all of the information there. You'll you'll be able to see everything that I talked about to, um, on the on the interview. Um, so we'll be at the LinuxBasics.com. They have their own Mumble server, and we'll be utilizing that. They can have up to 30 people in the room at once. So I'm going to be in there uh, hosting the uh, essentially 12-hour podcast, and throughout the time. We'll have people will be able to come in and out of the mobile room, which you'll have the information to log into when you visit the site. But people will be able to log in and out of the room. And we're going to have Jono Bacon showing up, uh, Stefano Zaccaroli, the project leader of Debian. I'm hoping to get Aaron Saigo on, uh, maybe Joan Marie Diggs, the project lead of Orca. So we're going to have various people showing up throughout the, the 12 hours. And if you're in the room when Jono or Stefano shows up, you'll be able to hang out with them, talk to them, ask questions. And, of course, we'll be discussing free software and accessibility throughout the 12 hours and whatever other topics might come up, you know, in the in those 12 hours. But we'll be trying to focus basically on uh, accessibility and free software for the most part. Excellent. And are people going to need uh, to install some sort of a program to take part in this? Yes. We'll, uh, we'll, you'll have to install Mumble, which Mumble runs on everything if – if you're running any Debian-based distro, Mumble's already in the repos, so like Linux Mint, Ubuntu, Debian. Uh, it's in the Fedora repos. I, I've yet to find a distro that doesn't have Mumble packaged, so you can easily install it. There's also instructions on the linuxbasics.com website on how to install it and how to get it set up. Um, so you'll have all the instructions there. Mumble also works on Android phones. It works on iOS. It runs on Mac. It runs on Windows. It runs on everything, so... Um, you, you should be able to get it installed in some way, shape, or form if you want to take part in, uh, in uh, the discussion in the Mumble Room. Cool. And uh, you said this is a fundraising gambit? Yes. Uh, so uh, what, we're, what we're looking to do is you can become a member of the Accessible Computing Foundation. We have four levels, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. 
and they start at $2, $10, $20, and $50 a month. But you can also make a one-time donation uh, if you'd like also. Um, but the fundraiser is to – uh, our goal is to reach $1,002 members. Now, we feel that that's a reasonable goal because uh, $2 is 50 cents a week. $2 might not seem much to one person, but with a 1,000 people, that can make a difference. And essentially, that will really be able to help the foundation get off the ground and start moving forward with um, paying developers to – you know, either fix bugs or help other projects out with accessibility. So that's really the goal is to get two, uh, $1,002 members and uh, we can start paying developers, like I said, to squash bugs like with Orca or, or Pigeon or Gnome or, or XFCE. Or we really want to find some, uh, we found a, a bunch of college developers where we can get a lot of this low hanging fruit, a lot of bugs that have been hanging around for a while. And we're going to take this money and pay them and start, you know, getting rid of the bugs within accessibility and uh, start gaining some ground that way. Excellent. So you do have some developers lined up? Yes. College kids, did you say? Yeah. Um, I've been uh, working on, like every not every college, but a, a good amount of colleges have a chapter of the ACM, which is the um, Association of Computer Machine. Um, and basically, a lot of all the CS departments have a chapter, and I've been emailing them, reaching out to them, and I've even set up a bunch of a bunch of t- talks to uh, give, a, give a talk at each chapter and let them know about accessibility and the foundation and what we're trying to do. And, you know, it'll be a way for these college kids to earn some extra money on the side. And they'll also get some experience. Like, you know, it'll be good for their a job opportunity because they can show their employer, hey, look, I made this commit and this commit against, you know, these packages. And oh, sure, you, sure. You, you know, you can read my source code. You can see my commits. So it's it's just good all around for everybody. It's win-win for everybody. Great idea, great idea. And is there anything else like this out there right now? Um, I mean, not not as far as with accessibility. I, th- I think we're really going to rattle some cages doing what we're doing because, Good. you know, the, the the assistive technology world is a is a strange place. And if you're not involved in it, a lot of these things would kind of blow your mind. I, I, really, the the thing that I think we're going to make the difference in, which which I I love the most, is a lot of the accessible software that's out there, the proprietary stuff, is outrageously expensive. And oh yeah, I, I know I don't. You know, I'm not against paying for software, but you know, in in this country at least, we we believe the market can control. You know, the the market can be controlled by, by the consumers. Well, with assistive technology, eight seventy to eighty percent of blind people are unemployed, and the most popular screen reader for Windows right now costs twelve hundred dollars. So if you, if 70 to 80% of people are unemployed, how in the world are they going to afford that? So right away, we can't control the market because it's out of our reach. So, sure. the, the, you know, the companies that make the software price it so high because they know the government is going to come in and pay for it, which uh-huh. that's fine for them. And, you know, and the, but the, and it's fine for the people, I guess, that get it for free. But the problem is the government only has so much money and they're only going to budget so much. So not every blind or low vision person will get a screen reader. So with the Accessible Computing Foundation, we're really going to, you know, disrupt this whole industry, I'm hoping, and, you know, bring accessibility back into the control of people that actually depend on this, that actually depend on accessibility, that need assistive technology. We'll be back in control of the software. We can control it. We can squash bugs. We can make bug reports or requests and get a hold of the developers, you know, just through an email, so we'll be back in control of our own destiny with accessibility. 
Excellent. And are you going to run this whole thing? You're going to coordinate everything? Uh, yes, I'll be. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll be there for the whole 12 hours on the fundraiser, and you know, I'm the executive director, so I'm in charge of uh, coordinating, you know, developers and trying to figure out, all right, where's the next plan of attack going, and uh, and things like that. So I'm really trying to schedule some talks to really, you know, to get the foundation out there and let people know what we're about and what we're doing, and uh, also bring awareness to accessibility. You know, and that that's the most important thing. Also, and there's over w- close to one billion people in the world that have some type of disability. There's 300, sure. there's 370 blind and low vision people throughout the world. So, 1 billion people, that's a whole market that's not being tapped into as even for like consumers and stuff that are being left behind. So we right. want to, you know, we want to even let companies know, look, if you can, you know, if you can make this gadget accessible to blind people, you just got another 15 million people in the United States that could possibly buy your product. Sure. So, it, there's things like that that we want to point out to, you know, companies and, and software developers as such. So that's that's the goal, to bring awareness to accessibility and to also bring accessible freedom to everyone around the world that needs assistive technology. Wow, you're taking a, a big bite there. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it, right? <laughs> that's, there you go. <laughs> and you said you were going to mention a URL where people could find out about this? Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, so the, the foundation's URL is accessiblecomputingfoundation.org. I know that's a mouthful. I tried yeah. to get east. I tried to get acf.org, but when your listeners visit that website, you'll see why I didn't get it. Um, okay. is, <laughs> but, is she cute? No, no, it's not something like that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you go to accessiblecomputingfoundation.org, on the right on the front page, I'll have all the information there. But you can also visit Linux Basics, and that's B A S I X. Dot com. If you visit linuxbasics.com where you guys, your forums are, um, they'll have instructions also right on the front page. I'd imagine they're going to put them up there. And all the information on how to install Mumble, how to log in with Mumble, the information you'll need to log into Mumble, everything will be right there. And like I said, if you visit the Accessible Computing Foundation, it'll be there. Or if you visit linuxbasics.com, it'll be there. So either way, you'll find the information, and it'll be August 25th. Starting at noon Eastern Standard Time and ending at midnight Eastern Standard Time, and uh, we're looking forward to everyone showing up. I, I hope uh, we all have a great time. And you know, if you if if you know somebody that needs assistive technology, uh, if you know a friend of a friend that might you know that needs assistive technology, you want them to listen to this event. There's a lot of people that depend on assistive technology that aren't even aware of like what free software is or even GNU Linux. I I met. <laughs> I got a funny story for you, actually. I, I was at the store the other day at Target with my wife and my family, and I'm standing there, and my wife uh, went off with one of the kids down another aisle, and this lady comes up to me, and she's like, excuse me, what's this? And I, and I sort of didn't think she was talking to me, so I didn't say anything, and she's like, excuse me, what's this? And I was like, oh, me? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm blind. And she started laughing, and she's like, so am I. <laughs> Oh no! Kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she's like, I can't believe that you're the first person I've ever, you know, run into that was blind when I was trying to ask him what something was. She she had like really low vision. She could basically sure. see like shadows and stuff. And um, sure. but it, but it was really funny. So I started talking to her and I was like, Oh, what do you use for technology? And uh, she uses you know Jaws and everything. And I said, Have you ever heard of Linux or free software? And she's like, No. What is that? And so there's there's 
a lot of people that depend on accessibility that have no idea that this stuff even exists. Right. So right. that's why we want to bring awareness to it and get it out there. Yeah, so. and even even when you do tell them that there's something better and cheaper and more bug free and everything else, that's eh, not what I'm used to. Yeah, it's, really, yeah. it's discouraging. Yeah, totally, it's it's the same you know quandary that you know sighted people have just telling normal users, hey, why don't you try Ubuntu out or Linux Mint out? Eh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's, it's same thing. It's it's kind of surprising, but it's the same same thing. It's funny. If I'm not paying a fortune for it, it can't be any good. Right, exactly. Or yeah. you know, they're just used to it. You know, we're creatures of habit, unfortunately. Right. So, right. You know, and and you know, and it's all you know, and and that's funny too because people that even even you know, Jaws it costs twelve hundred dollars. It's nowhere near perfect. It's buggy. It crashes or whatever, sure. and they put up with it. Oh, well, this is the way it is. You know, and then the next, and then the next thing you know, you need, you need an update, so you got to get the checkbook out again. Exactly. That's exactly how they roll. You know, that's definitely yeah. it. And if you, you know, if you report a bug, you know, either they'll ignore it and never fix it, or like you just said, ah, hey, good news, it'll be on the next upgrade, so. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess we've about covered everything. Anything else? Oh, no, I just want to thank you, uh, Larry and Bill, for the podcast. I've been listening since, I don't even know, episode 40 or 35 or something. Wow. Way back. So I, I just thank you guys for everything you do. I love that you guys give useful information for the even the, the new users, the intermediate users. I just I think you guys are kind of one of a kind podcast right now. Maybe two or three others that focus on you know kind of tutorial type things. And I appreciate all you guys do and keep up the great work. Well, you're welcome and thank you. I, I've enjoyed this interview. All right, thanks, Tom. And again, tell say uh, hi to Larry and Bill for me. Okay, tell uh, John oh, I still haven't upgraded or John or rather. Okay, I'll let him know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, Jonathan. Well, thanks a bunch. No, thank you, and have have a great night. Thank you. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, and I think that wraps up our episode, guys. Oh, all right. Has anyone got a software pick? I do, Larry. I always have a software pick. Um, I'm going to say uh, check out the new Firefox. It's at like 13.01 or 13.02 now. Uh, they made some changes to interface. It runs fast. I've been enjoying using it. I've been kind of comparing it against Chrome, and uh, I've been pretty impressed with it. Uh, I think its memory footprint is a lot less than what it used to be, so those guys are definitely working on it. I don't think you have a choice. If you're running Firefox, it's going to upgrade itself, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I... I guess you're right. Never mind. I don't have a software pick. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. That that was a good one. For those people like me who are using a different browser, yeah, that's a software pick. Go look at it. Go try it out. Exactly. So thanks, Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now the wrap-up. So in our next episode, guys, we have... Our next episode will be Keyboard Shortcuts. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinux.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We provide the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. And if you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Linux podcast community on community.goinglinux.com. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73.
Theme music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com.